0: Hey, Bob here, and welcome to Do the Woo, the WooCommerce Builder Podcast. Oh, woo. Woo. This show is brought to you by Weglot, global sponsors of WordCamps and meetups worldwide who take pride in their community support. And GoDaddy Pros Hub, where you can manage your client sites with some of the top professional tools in the trade tell you more about our pod friends later in the show, but let's jump into the conversation that Ronald and Marcus are having with Picha Neri. Picha is a leader in the UX design space and has a lot of passion and determination to bring accessibility to the web and her generous sharing of her own experiences, including tips and advice on how you can make sure the design of your client sites are accessible to all. So with that said, let's talk UX design with Picha.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of DuduWoo. Um, I'm here joined by Picha Neri and my co-host uh, Marcus. How are you both? Nice to see you and hear
2: you. I'm very well, thank you very much. Very happy to be here.
1: Yeah, we sound very familiar, Picha, because we go back quite a few years. Uh, we have worked together in the past. We've met each other on yeah. various uh, word camps and other events. So this is, this is really cool to be talking to you. I'm so pleased about that.
2: Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, I was thinking about that today, actually, about how many actual real friends you make with with the whole WordPress story. Honestly, it's I was remembering, I was actually reminding myself of, uh, I think we met through Paul Lacey, Rono, didn't we?
1: Yes, that's we right. Met, yeah.
2: We met through Paul Lacey. We worked together. I got you on a project. You were so patient with that project. You were amazing. And then welcome London, for sure. Welcome New York, quite notably. We were both lost.
1: Ah. Uh, we were lost
2: yeah. trying to find the party. And uh, welcome uh, Porto, the Porto airport and a plane, even. So lots of places. And now very pleased to meet you, Mark, Marcus. I'm sure there would be many more um
1: uh, yeah uh, maybe maybe i need to ask you first and to introduce yourself not just to marcus <laughs> but to everybody else <laughs> what do you do or what have you been doing with uh, with wordpress for the last couple of years <sighs> <laughs> it's great and by the way it's great to remember all these these parties and yeah, bumping yeah. into each other that is fantastic
2: uh, so my name is picha neri i am a designer I started working with WordPress the first time because, like many of us, I wanted to create my own site. I actually, the first time I used WordPress was for a one sketch a day site because there was no Instagram. Can you imagine? (laughs) And uh, so, if back to the past two years, I've mostly been Improving my knowledge and understanding of accessibility, really. Uh, yes, mostly that's uh, that's what I've been doing. And what's it like to use, especially e-commerce sites? In fact, I mean, not especially, but one of them, and I have a story about that. But e-commerce sites for people that experience the web in a different way than what is considered this word uh, normal. Normal. There is no normal, really, but. Um, yeah, so that's mostly what I've been concentrating on, but also designing much more because uh, I I used to I spent a few years mostly creating content and rather than anything, and and now I'm really back into designing and uh, and, and doing accessible design specifically, and I am loving it. Never going back. That's what I need to do. Nice. That's my dharma. Yeah.
1: Um, I remember you um, uh, setting up and running uh, small, short courses, UX courses, but also on typography. Is that work that you still uh, continue doing? And is it the Design Geeks I recall? That's uh, w- uh, one of your brands that you work with. Um, what's going on with that?
2: So, Design for Geeks, uh, I'm actually discontinuing. That's, I know, it becomes sort of. I've grown past it let's say but I am definitely carrying on with the education side because I love it I just I just uh it's what I'm most interested in and because once you get um once you get into accessibility it becomes a little bit of a mission and what you see all the time is where people are not doing it and actually missing out on great opportunities for that reason so I definitely, so in fact, the next next course that I've got coming up is a uh, accessible typography course. So I'm still fixated on, on typography, but yes, and uh, as among other things. But another focus is uh, accessible creativity or creative accessibility, because, you know, there's this myth that accessibility is, if you make a site accessible, it's expensive and it's ugly, and it can be creative, and I call you know BS to that. So that's also one of my focuses because I am um, in March. I am giving a talk at a UX conference in Copenhagen. that is not a WordCamp. <laughs> can you imagine the world outside? How exciting is that?
1: Honestly, I can't imagine.
2: <laughs> staggering, staggering. So that's that's what I want to do at that uh, conference. Uh, they accepted my proposal of a, a talk on a creative accessibility or accessible creativity. I think creative accessibility maybe is better. I'm not sure. So that's one of another one of my focuses at the moment. But the educational side, always yes.
1: So can you share a little bit more about this myth of um, creative accessibility and maybe along your, along the way, last couple of years, things, examples of um, maybe clients or other designers who sort of challenge you on that and, you know, how you've come circumnavigated that?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you, Ronald. So, in fact, this is something... So I live in Spain, I used to, so my background is that I'm Italian, Uh, moved to London in full time. I'd been there sort of on and off and then I moved there full time in 1998 and stayed there until 2016 when I moved to Spain, Valencia. Obviously one of the first things that I did was check, get in touch with the WordPress community. And of course I'm involved with a worker and with a meetup and I've got lots of friends here. And some of them are designers, and uh, one in particular is a close friend. And we always have sort of rows about this. I mean, you know, Spanish and Italian, that's it's not a real row, but it sounds like it. And um, so I gave a talk at uh, the uh, meet, local meetup here in Valencia in January, and we ended up having it online because we were still in the throes of the virus. Nobody really. <laughs> Was trusting a live event, Uh, but it was great. We 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 managed to have a really lively conversation, even if it was online. And the talk was, in fact, what I then developed into the uh, WorldCamp Europe talk, which was called Design for Conversions. Because by the way, I have a a conference that's called Design for Conversions. There'll be another edition in uh, in um, May, and it's sort of veiled. It's it's accessibility under disguise. Uh, so the talk. So basically, quite a few people in the audience brought up brought that up, just saying, well, you know, if we do all the things that we you say we should do, then we can't be creative. And that I loved that remark because it allows me to launch into my, you know, rant. Really, <laughs> not not really, not a rant. Let's not call it a rant, but it is very interesting because my point was so. Okay, what do you call creative then? and they what they call creative is stuff that moves it's animations it's things like that so first of all if only animation if creativity equals animation then let's set fire to the uh you know louvre or the uffizi because nothing moves in there nothing is animated so i mean does creativity need to equal stuff that moves on a screen no it doesn't and can you be creative even if you don't use a fancy tooltip, so the answer is yes, and if you want to know how there are I have two types of examples Main, mainly I'm sure there's more, but I like to just bring up to not to sort of confuse muddle the issue too much. So the first one is I, I'm, I used to be a uh, create before I went to digital. I was a sort of a pure creative designer so I've done all sorts I've done lots of branding, but I've also done. Lots of design for film, so that involved doing creative concepts and so on. So that's the one thing that you can do to have a create to use creativity in a way that's that's accessible. And I'll give you, I can give you two examples of that. For instance, I mean, one that's really silly, and then also, I mean, I don't know when this interview is going to come out, but it's my site is a work in progress at the moment. I'm not happy with it. Photoshop treatment of my images. But however, I am using a, um, can I swear on this show? Sorry, I didn't ask before. <laughs> <sighs> I won't, I won't, I won't say. It. But so, but because you'll understand, I, it's not, a, I would be quoting anyway, but it won't be necessary because I'm sure you, you'll understand. My friend Anne Bovelet, who's also a, a, you know, WordPress person and accessibility advocate and um, and designer and so on, she suggested that i use as the strap line for my own website uh an, an expletive you know a good designer and i thought yeah that i mean that represents me but then i thought yeah i don't want to be aggressive though so i thought you know what a rocking good designer is a good because i'm not going to you know i'm i'm not doing seo with my own site people won't find me via seo it's not what i do so I thought rocking boot designer and then I thought, you know what? I have because I used to take photos kind of properly and seriously. So and I had two very compliant um accomplices in my niece and nephew who are now grown. But when they were kids, we did lots of photo shoots doing all sorts of things. And I had quite a few of them pretending to be rock stars. And they're you know, they're really good very good fun photos and sort of ironic because I'm not going to pretend that I am a rock star. So I've done a visual treatment of those uh, photos of my niece and nephew and I've used them on my site. So you've got a rocking good designer and then photos of kids being silly, playing the rock star. It's nothing. It's nothing at all, but it's an example of how you can be creative and build, you know, use a concept and build, A site around that concept it's just an excuse to say i'm a good designer come look at my stuff so it's nothing and it's self-promotion sorry i've done it but it's a way that it's a way that you can use it you can do it for yourself you can think of that and that's something that actually i've been missing a lot since building sites because it's very rare that you come across clients that want that that Use visual concepts that use branding in that way, it's usually very, very practical and about making money and about user experience, which is something else that I am a big advocate of. And that, in fact, I am a hybrid when I get my own clients, I always do a bit of both because, depending on the size of the project, sometimes it's perfect. So, but as luck would have it, because I have been sort of telling people, I want, I need a case study for creative accessibility. And I think that even though it didn't come from asking, I've just got a project now that is perfect for that because it's a, uh, it's a actually there's an existing site already, which is called it's musicpatron.com. So then that will be completely redesigned, but they are, it's a fantastic concept. It's already up and running. Anybody can, in fact, you can. Uh, you can, if you want, join and uh, sponsor a composer. So their point is so what you you, they have a a limited number of composers that you are able to you pick one and you can you can sponsor them and you know with 10 10 pounds a month if you want. So they just went through a branding process by an agency by a London agency that I knew from my British Film Institute Times, who work with uh, cultural institutions mostly. And they've done a beautifully, beautifully creative uh, branding for them that just is perfect. It's joyful. It uses, and in fact, the great thing is that it uses animation. So here you go. Here I'm going to be able to um, create, because now I've been, I'm going to, Put into practice the branding guidelines that this branding agency created, but that's the interesting bit because they are using animations a lot. So how do you use animations in a way that is accessible? It is possible. You can do that. But also, how do you use the concept of animation in a way that's creative and accessible? Again, I I know that that's possible. So that's going to be a wonderful example of how you have a creative concept that runs through a whole site and you use it in a way that is not only imaginative but also it leads to conversions because they need to sell memberships. They need, you know, it's not a Woo site, but it is a membership site. And I can't remember what tech stack they use because I've only just started working with them. But it's um it's it's gonna be a wonderful way of of showing that. So this I've given you one type of example, which is visual, a visual concept that, I mean, I can't tell you what the branding is like yet because it hasn't, you know, I'd have to kill you and that's not right. So, I I mean, it's not been rolled out officially yet. It's going to be launched when we launch the site. But you can go check out musicpatron.com. I think you will get the spirit, even though they design it themselves, so it's not designed. I think they did a pretty good job of of, uh, giving an idea of what they do. But now I'm going to give you the other example of how you can be creative in a non-visual way. And there are lots of already existing examples, but this is something that I've been wanting to do for so long. and I've got two clients now that I hope they'll let me do it because other clients, it just hasn't quite materialized yet. So I'll give you an example. Um, I've recently uh, led the UX for the... Uh, rebuild of the site for an Italian museum. Now, cultural institutions such as museums are really interesting to work with in a in a very British use of the word, Meeting, meaning that, I mean, interesting can mean anything, can mean awful as well. <laughs> it's sort of an interesting challenge means, oh my god, why did I put myself into it? Anyway, so it, it's interesting because when you create a website for an institution such a mu- as a museum you can't go wild with your own design because it's about the artwork so you have to be subtle so what but how can you so it becomes that you you have to and i designed um, art books and exhibition catalogues for many years so i'm very very familiar with that challenge that's where it becomes beautiful to actually work it with digital, and what it makes me happy that I can do that, even though books were so much easier—they didn't move, they didn't—you didn't need to update them. It was—it was great. But what you can do with digital is instead, let's say that you need to give directions to people who need to get to the museum because it's—you're creating a digital space for a, an actual physical space. So instead of just having a Google Google Map, you can do that if you want. You could just have a Google Map. How helpful is that it's not that's not necessarily terribly helpful if you have no idea how to get there if the museum is in a little bit uh out of the way out of off the beaten track location, so why not instead of just having a map having an interactive tool that actually builds an itinerary with you so you can start i mean it's a quiz you can call it a quiz, and building quizzes used to be Uh, a little bit of a challenge with WordPress, but now there are, I mean, you had to, either it was, you would get very expensive tools or you had to have an external uh, tool to do it and so on. But now there are amazing plugins that allow you to build and host uh, quizzes on WordPress sites. So you could do, you know, your quiz could start, how do you, how are you planning to get here? A car or public transport? Okay, car okay, which side of town will you will you get in from the north, from the west, from the south? Because So if you get in from the south, this is your car park. Careful, though, because it's not fully accessible. So if you have, you know, something like this, and then in the end you print it out as a PDF, so boom, you've been incredibly helpful. You've given people a good experience before they've even uh, got to your museum, and you've used your tool creatively you can go further than that so what we're doing I mean we're not done it yet but what we're doing uh, is we're planning for instance itineraries how many hours do you have in town how many how much time do you have in town hours days or or uh, a week okay I have a day okay you have a day do you prefer do you like architecture sculpture or painting painting okay start from the museum Do you want to? How much do you want to walk? You're given an option of, I want to walk a little. I don't want to walk at all. You get the drift, you know. It so you can create. You can be imaginative and create an experience that's completely accessible because you can create a quiz accessibly and use an accessible tool for it. And you've been, you've used your imagination. Maybe. In a different way than you thought you would but i i really you, there, there was no need to animate anything at all and uh, and you've been creative anyway so I hope that answers the question
3: yeah absolutely i I love that you're you know the tag the 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 strap line like you said earlier is a rockin' good designer, and I think immediately people jump right to just visual. And so much of design, like like you talk about UX and UI, and all of that, is not just the visual part, but just the the entire experience of how someone feels being there. Like you talked about there with the um with the tool to create an itinerary. That's there's a, probably a visual aspect to that, but there's still so much design in there as you're designing the experience of how people are getting to the museum and what they're going to want to see and just kind of building that whole thing there for them. I think that's awesome.
2: Yeah. Thank you. And I mean, we haven't managed to, to do it yet, which is often our frustration as designers, sure. one, you know, all these great ideas and the clients are, get really excited about it. And then the reality of actually getting it done is a little bit more complicated, but we'll get that, you know, we'll get that with all of it.
0: Yeah. Hey everyone, Bob WP dropping into the show for a short break to tell you more about our two pod friends and to thank them for their amazing support. WeGla is known as an industry standard in the WordPress space to help builders turn client sites into multilingual shops. And as a supporter of the larger WordPress community, they are proud to announce their global sponsorship of 2022 WordPress events. With this sponsorship, I know they can continue to build long lasting relationships and make new connections with the community and with you, the Woo Builders. So I say kudos to WeeGlot for this larger support to the ecosystem and make sure at the next event you attend to find them and say hi. You can learn about them at WeeGlot.com and to read more about their global sponsorship. Staying on top of things? What about managing all those client projects in one place? The GoDaddy Pro Hub does just that, and it's free. From a single dashboard, you will have control over your client sites, products, and projects in one seamless experience. Save time on repetitive site maintenance tasks. Access all your client accounts with a single sign-on. And use tools that improve client collaboration and top that off with priority support and it's the all-in-one hub. Learn all about it by simply going to do the woo.io slash hub.
3: You've talked a lot about accessibility without really defining it too much. What sort of things do you think about when you look at accessibility, both in terms of kind of the, the artwork part of design and the UX part of design? What are the sort of considerations that that you think about and that people should think about when they're, when they're thinking through um, design accessibility.
2: Yes. Another very, very good question. So first of all, I consider myself uh, a learner. I'm still, you know, very much, very much learning, but that's why I want to also talk about it a lot and get people into it because I feel that once you start, you can't stop. So my first consideration is how to structure your content because accessibility is a, is a is a wide concept but basically what you want is for your site to be understood by everybody regardless of how they the tool that they use to experience it which was also Tim Berners-Lee's idea when he you know invented the internet more or less so how how do you do that where do you start from where you start from a correct html structure And the interesting thing is that this is really basic, but because of all the different tools that people use and because not everybody gets an education or gives themselves an education before they start building stuff on the web, it's really interesting how many sites exist that have don't follow a correct HTML structure at all. Why is that important? Well, it's important for SEO, first of all, but also for accessibility because of the way screen readers work. They, a screen reader will make sense past a page when you get onto it by the hierarchy of the text. So if you use your H1s, H2s and H3s, H4s correctly, then the, uh, the user or the screen reader will be able to know and decide what they're interested in on the page. So that's the first thing that you look at and then the, the the second thing, so one thing that is, is actually really good about trying to be more accessible is that people think it's so complicated, but it isn't. You know, what, the, would, what would you say is the biggest accessibility issue that something like 95% of websites have an issue with? What do you, can you imagine what it is?
3: um i would venture to guess maybe difficult navigation
2: it's much simpler than that it's really basic it's i'll, I'll tell you it's color contrast hmm. so and it's the easiest thing to sort out as well so color contrast is another thing i mean content structure is fundamental because everything is going to be better for you if you if you do structure your content properly because you're going to convert more instantly because it's just easier to understand your site and to navigate it. So yes, you're right. Difficult navigation for sure. Inaccessible navigation is an issue. But then the other thing is color contrast. There are uh, reports out there that have, I mean, it's just incredible uh, percentages that are written. So even just by, getting your color contrast right which is very easy anyone can do it you just use a contrast checker on like contrast that's it really simple uh you are already doing more than most sites are doing so it's a very easy very very easy win but i mentioned screen readers so another thing is the the why is design important because when you make, you make certain design decisions and you explain to your client why you're making design decisions because you know you need to educate yourself to know that there are things that should never be used because A, it's kind of proven they don't convert and B, they, they provide a huge obstacle that constitute a huge obstacle to use web usage. Can you guess, Marcus, what I'm talking about? <laughs> the 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 one thing that developers and good designers go oh no, and they're all clients want the dreaded slider,
3: the slider, yeah, carousels, the the design by committee element.
2: Oh my god, <laughs> and it's I I always get uh, amazed that uh, we're still we are still there. But can I tell you a really interesting a hundred percent e-commerce related story about a slider yeah so there was a wp accessibility day Mm -hmm. and um, I took part with a panel and it was Anne Bovelet uh, and I and um, Lazar who's a speaking coach and he's blind from from birth, so he's never seen. He's only, and he's been using a screen reader since 2004 to experience the web. So Anne has, she makes a really good case about, especially about e-commerce and proving that accessibility will actually get you to make more money in your e-commerce site and uh, it's incontrovertible it's it's true and I like her approach very much. it's mine as well when I, the, the design for conversions conference because I don't want to tell people you're going to get uh, fined, you will get sued no let's let's be positive let's just say look if not for any other reason, your site will convert i mean not necessarily just money but you know more this if you make your site accessible you're immediately gaining twenty five percent. Uh, of audience. I mean, these are f- stats and figures that I'm not making up. They exist. So we thought we'd bring a, a, a blind uh, user because I don't think that any of us really can quite imagine how someone else experiences the web. It's, it's normal. We just, we just don't. I mean, we can try and practice empathy, which is a, at the basis of UX, but fundamentally, we just don't know. I mean, I've tried. I've used screen readers, but I can always open my eyes. And the interesting thing is that Anne has an article on her website, which is quotes a the case study of Tesco. Now, Tesco is a not just online. They're, they're supermarkets in the UK. They're huge, and uh, they've been selling online. They've been doing e-commerce for a long time because they don't just do food. They do lots of other stuff as well. So they've had a – When I lived in London, I used their site since the early 2000s. And in 2003, I think, something like that, 2002, like a good 20 years ago, they did their research, realized that they were locking themselves out of a lot of money by not having an accessible site and spent £35,000 in um, making their site accessible. And their uh, income, their revenue, absolutely skyrocketed almost over, overnight because they did it before Christmas, which obviously is when people, you know, go crazy with their hmm. very good timing.
3: Yeah, good timing.
2: So they, uh, the, the figures is something like it's just ridiculous the mind doesn't compute, but it was they made thirty-seven thousand times their investment over the course of a year, something like that. Now, I, I don't, you know, i definitely, it was 37,000, but it's wow. just astonishing, incredible, just by making their sites accessible. So the plan was in the panel for WordPress accessibility day to uh, get, to do a demonstration of uh, Laza using the Tesco site. And we wanted it to be as uh, fresh as possible. So we told him, do not, Uh, register beforehand do not do anything let's just go on the site and it was hilarious because we got on the site and actually we are also asking can you please put the screen reader on so that we know how you experience it and he has the screen reader on at at a like so fast the speed at which it talks I found that after hearing it for a while, I was understanding it, but at the beginning, I was like, is this English? I wasn't sure what language it was. So, and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's it's English, I always use it in English, okay. And the amazing thing was that Tesco has sort of slightly lost the plot a little bit with accessibility, because we experienced firsthand why sliders are so rubbish, because uh, Laza got stuck on a slider that's on the Tesco site and there was no way out for him. We spent like 10, 15 minutes. I can't remember how long, but quite a long time trying to navigate out of the slider and he was saying, I am not fast enough. I mean, he's been using a screen reader since 2004. So, and he was saying, I am not fast enough sure. to go past this slider. I don't. I'm not able to because it's too fast. It move, you know. It was, um, what's it called? Automatically changing mm-hmm. the slide, and also it was designed. It was looping.
3: Yeah, and, and looping.
2: And uh, the focus wasn't done correctly. The focus function, so it was difficult for us even to tell where he was. We didn't know where he was with this mouse. So we finally, we were t- I was telling him, there is a pause button but he couldn't find it because the focus wasn't working correctly, wasn't coded correctly. In the end, he could do it, but we were exhausted by that. And he was like, yeah, no, I don't think I would make my Christmas shopping (laughs) here. I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And he said, without you guiding me to find the the pause button, there is no way I would have been able to stop the slider. So a a couple of people or more in the audience asking what's the solution then for a client that really wants the slider? We were like, no slider. I mean, really, that's the best solution. Um, But he said, if you have to have a slider, then have a very easy skip to content link at the beginning so that I don't have to go through the slider. But then another thing that came up really interesting and like in the not British sense, in the real sense of interesting, by working, doing a panel with Lazar and uh, the meetings that we had before with him and experiencing the web with him, is that, for instance, his favorite site, the best e-commerce e-commerce site that he knows, is a site that for us is terrible because the, the contract, contrast is all wrong. The design is terrible. There's no, the layout is is incomprehensible. So And for him, it's the best site in existence. So it gives you the measure of how wide the spectrum is so is it possible to design for everyone yes because obviously Lazar doesn't care what it looks like because he can't see it but those of us who can see it we can build the site we can it wouldn't be that difficult to organize that site that Lazar loves visually in a way that people who can see can experience it but Back to sliders, because this is an you know it's a woo we'll do the woo podcast it's about e commerce and I am going to insist on other reasons why i mean this it was so compelling people were like, "Wow, I had no idea well, now you know, and it's not just a blind user that experiences that it's also Google trying to make sense of the s e o you won't you won't know it. But the other thing is then from the design and UX point of view, which is also my my point, that slider, I think it was about four slides. It wasn't too many. They were too fast to read, but also they were addressing a widely different audience. They were uh, uh, advertising completely different products. So it was like, Mm -hmm. okay, who are you talking to? Why are you so insecure? Don't be so indecisive that's another problem with sliders. So if you have more than one offer, do one a week. But don't give me four different options that are so widely different. So if I am curious and I go through the slider, I find the second one, maybe the first one is relevant to me, and maybe the second one is for young mothers, and it's not relevant to me at all. So why would you do that? You've you've lost me, essentially. So that's another really compelling UX reason why sliders are rubbish. And then I'm not blind, but I was, they give me motion sickness. I mean, luckily this one did have a pause button, but while we were sort of doing the demonstration and, and waiting for uh, Laza to be able to to do it because, because he was sharing his own screen. I was like, Oh, I really got emotion sickness here. So there's also that. So you're really shooting yourself in the, in the foot. And I, I'm thinking that I will extract a uh, the clip of Lazar fighting with a slider <laughs> and show it to clients if anybody ever asks for a slider again, which I hope they don't.
3: Yeah, and then I think that I think you hit it on the head there at the end is that the custom customers, the visitors to the site don't want a slider, whether you're using a screen reader or different assistive input device or anything that. Or not. Customers aren't asking for sliders. Sliders exist on websites because clients have 10 things that they want to say all at once, and they think that the slider is the best option. And so I agree with you. I despise those, whether I can pause them or skip over them. They just don't serve the purpose that clients uh, think that they serve. And I built websites for a decade and had to deal with the same thing. And it's it's all about what the client wants. When you see a slider, you know it was a we have a committee of people and 10 people need to say the, you know, get their message out in the first five seconds. And it just, it's confusing, confusing to people that are coming to the site. It just doesn't serve its purposes. Before we wrap up, you do, you did mention earlier that you have um, your own conference and I wanted to um, just have you talk design for conversions. You said it's coming back in May. If you want to just share, share uh, briefly, what that looks like and how people can find out a little bit more about that.
2: Thank you very much for that because I care a lot about it. So the first edition was in 2021 and uh, organizing an online conference is not as easy as you might think. So I took a year out and I'm, I'm do, doing it again in May this year. Uh, not this year, next year, 2023. Mm-hmm. So it's called That's Design coming. for Conversions because I think it's a very... Good title, because again, it's enticing people in. And it's a very, it's sort of, it's about accessibility and inclusion. That's really important for me as well, because they sort of reason why I decided I wanted to do my own conference was that I would be able to invite whoever I wanted, get more diverse voices telling us about their experience rather than always the same people who look the same. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it. And then the accessibility angle has become stronger and stronger because also one of the days is on the 18th of May is Global Accessibility Awareness Day. And uh, uh, the conference is going to be, I actually can't remember my own dates, but definitely the 18th of May is the day of the conference.
3: Yeah, 16th to the 18th.
2: Uh, Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for that. It's uh important to me and it's becoming their main focus. Uh but not necessarily just that focus. So I have a point which is good design and good marketing and good UX are fundamentally accessible. When you do things by the book correctly, you are accessible already, kind of by default. Uh, because guess what? Nobody who does good marketing or good UX ever said use a slider. So you know what I mean? It's um uh, it, it all coincides, and this time, this year, I'm joined also by Anne Bogler, who's going to help me uh, organize a conference, and uh, Hal Martins, who uh, organizes UX Copenhagen. Where We're, uh, we're going to get uh, great uh, speakers, and the really nice thing about the 2021 conference was that, even though it was online, we managed to create a real community experience by inter, I I guess that we did it by interacting a lot with the comments. There was a live element. There's there's going to be again a live element. So the talks were all interviews delivered. I, I would interview the speakers, uh, who and quite a few of them actually come came and will come on the day, so to so that the uh, audience can ask uh, questions and uh, in a video. And I have since developed the ability to look at the comments without losing my thread. In fact, I really like it. I feel like uh, answering the comments live, you can do it in a an online live event in a way that doesn't disturb the flow, it enriches it. So in a way, it's a better experience than a live conference, because in the live conference, the, the the you deliver the talk and no one can interrupt you as you deliver the talk and the questions are at the end whereas when you do when you talk live with someone it's fine you can do it you can do it if you if you do it correctly it's always relevant because people ask relevant questions to the topic in hand at the right time
1: that's a really good point yeah We'll we'll uh we'll add all the links to all the good work you have done and are doing uh into the uh, into the podcast uh, page as well, uh, which is I think now after hearing a lot of these it will be quite a good um, library of resources. Amazing amazing work you're doing.
2: Yeah, thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Peter, uh, for your time and knowledge sharing. Uh, Marcus, a couple of last words. What's your take from it all?
3: Yeah, I um. I'm looking forward to, to the accessibility to your conference in May and um, just continuing the conversation about accessibility and inclusion. Really appreciate you coming on.
2: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Hey,
0: everyone. Thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. Weglot and their support is a global sponsor of WordCamps and Meetouts throughout this year and GoDaddy Pro Hub—the perfect place to manage all your client sites with resources and tools to make most out of your time with your clients' projects. And as we near the end of the year, and we all look at the horizon, just remember to keep supporting each other and welcoming more and more diverse people to this fantastic community that is built around WooCommerce and WordPress. So, until next time, keep
2: on doing the woo.